Hello and welcome back to Bible Braced. Hello. We are very glad that you are with us today. Yeah, this has been a busy week, so we're recording this a lot later than we normally do. Yeah, I uh, I think we were just talking right before the show about how many episodes we devoted to the attributes of God. What did you say it was 20? Yep, 20. So, I mean, the great bulk of our time together has been focusing on attributes of God, which is really cool. I love that we've had that time to devote to it. Because as we said, like, it's not, this is not all inclusive. (laughs) (laughs) This is not all encompassing. We are barely scratching the surface on the subject of who God is and what his attributes really are. And a deep dive into those topics is not something we have time for in the kind of ministry this is as a podcast. But isn't that amazing that even us just scratching the surface, even us flying at, you know, 40,000 feet, we were able to see such significant time that was devoted to the attributes of who God is, that it would take us months <laughs> to do that. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Just speaks to how much there is to learn about God, I think. But yes, yeah, so it's really encouraging to to think about ways in which I've come to know him better through this journey of us doing this together. And I hope it's been a blessing for you guys as well to be able to have bite-sized, digestible ways of considering God and who he is and how that transfers itself into practice. And we are um, recording this the week before Thanksgiving, and we are planning to not have an episode next week. We will not be airing anything on the Mm -hmm. 25th. 25th, We will not be airing anything on the 25th. Um, because we will be enjoying time with family. So hopefully you will be too. But we wanted to have this episode kind of as we close the Attributes of God study and as we are prayerfully looking at what we're going to study next, we wanted to take time to be able to um, really enjoy what we've learned and to do an appropriate thing as Christians where we then After reflecting on these things about God, we then thank him for those things and have gratitude for who he is and where we're at. And this really kind of slaps me in the face a little bit because I feel like I am in a situation right now where I'm in a difficult situation with my job. I've shared a little bit about that. And I am, um, without sharing too much, it's it's been quite stressful. Um, I've been I've been in a lot of work environments and I've worked full time pretty much since I was 15 and, uh, you know, almost 20 years of working in the workforce in different places. And this is, this has been an experience I've not encountered before. It's been a difficult season that's lasted a lot longer than others have. It's been trying in a variety of ways and I've reached a point where I just need God to sustain me every day that I go into work. I'm just praying for him to give me the grace I need for each second, for each hour, for each encounter, um, each difficult conversation that he will help me to walk in the spirit and to walk in a way that honors him. And it also has brought me to a place of submission and trust in God for a not allowing me to just escape the situation because I have pursued escape. (laughs) pursued other options. I've pursued a lot of different things trying to get out of this difficult situation. And God continues to show me through closed doors that he is not 
at this point allowing me to leave this situation. Could be that changes. I'm praying for that to change here in the next you know month or so. Um, but God and his wisdom might not allow that to happen either. And so different levels of submission to God and his timing and in his sovereignty and in his will for my life. And I know that um, many of us face difficulty in our lives. We face maybe a diagnosis or unsafe family or um, a child that's turned from the Lord. You know, there are a lot of things that we can face that are very difficult and they are long seasons. They are not over quickly. They are not a matter of months. Some of them stretch on for years or even decades. And I think that it's good for us to get to a place of comfort and of peace and of joy in the middle of that trial, because so often our desire is to see it end. We pray for God to intervene by ending the situation instead of praying for God to intervene by refining us through it and by being glorified in how we find joy and peace and trust in him through that hardship. And God's been working on my heart about that um, over the last several months that I've been dealing with this situation. And he's been working in my heart about um, like not allowing a, a future date of change or a, a time of ending of this trial to be my focus, but instead to be willing for God to extend this as long as he wants and for me to just find joy and peace and trust in him and to walk in a way that glorifies him, knowing that he is bringing about my good and his glory through this. And he is completely in control. And that's a very hard place to get to, but it's a very important place to get to. And you don't stay there very long. I feel like I'll be there for like 20 minutes and then I'll like struggle with worry or doubt or mm -hmm. uh, stress or um, anger frustration, you know, feeling like God is not powerful enough to change this or that he doesn't love me enough to get me out of it or what all the things that come at us when we're struggling with something. And, you know, sometimes we need to be more intentional about fasting, about spending more time in the word to compensate for the struggles we're going through, about really writing things out and confronting our thoughts, are these truthful, et cetera. And God's been working in my heart about that too. Like if this is important enough to you, then continue to bring it before me, Can, you know, fast, seek my face, like continue to, to do the things you know to do. And what God's been doing through that is not changing my circumstances. He's been changing me. He's been bringing me to a place of trust in him. He's been bringing me to a place of joy and acceptance in him. And I'm just really thankful for the presence of God. I think that's been the biggest thing that I have come to appreciate out of this is that God is near to the brokenhearted, to those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. He makes his dwelling place mm -hmm. with the with the humble. And he is the one who binds up the brokenhearted. And I think that that's such a comfort to me that God is right here with me, walking through this with me. And he is not allowing my circumstances to change right now because it's better for me to be in this circumstance and to walk with him through it. And there is a desperate intimacy that comes from hardship. You find a walk with God that is so much sweeter when you allow these things to turn you to the Lord instead of to turn you to, how can I get out? How can I change my circumstance? And this frantic activity of trying to end pain and suffering instead of just being still and knowing God. Yeah. So 
that's been huge for me. And that's why I keep talking about it because God is working. <laughs> and I'm really thankful for that. It's really a revolutionary way of looking at life too, though. It's, it's like being thankful for even the the trials and the hardships. Mm. Um, that's very anti our culture. It's very anti what my flesh wants to do at any given mm. moment. But mm-hmm. it's true. It's cool because we are believers we can be thankful for those things because like you're saying, they refine us. They Mm -hmm. draw us closer to God. I was talking to a dear woman in her nineties this morning um, who attends our church and she's just always such an encouragement to me. She's had a very difficult set of circumstances the last like 20 years probably. Um, But you wouldn't know it to talk to her. She's just so joyful. And we were talking about how um, with those trials, a lot of times it does make you think about the Lord. It pushes you back to God. And so it's a good thing, you know? Was it Charles Spurgeon that said, I will kiss the wave that throws mm-hmm. me against the rock of ages. And so it's like, yeah. if, it, if anything is hard and it makes you run to the Lord, it's a good thing. Yep. So just make sure that you use those situations for good instead of just, yeah. I think it's easy to just kind of wallow sometimes and be like, oh, this is awful. What did I do wrong? You know, yeah. Yeah. but it's not always that, you know, maybe you didn't do something wrong. Maybe you did, but maybe you didn't. You just need to turn to the Lord. What you do next yeah. is important. And, and the power of, <laughs> yeah. And the power of perspective. I think that's the big thing that God's been working in my heart about too, is like, Katie, you have a difficult situation that you're in right now, and you objectively do. It's not like I'm making this up or being a wimp. Like, it's a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. But I am not facing potential death because I cannot interpret my boss's dreams. True. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know, Katie. (laughs) I am not facing potential execution from my husband because I'm going to ask him to give my family a break. You know, to and to not murder us. <laughs> like, like I, I think that there's just like helpful perspective. I'm not facing stoning from my neighbors for telling them about Jesus. True. There are times when we really do suffer and we do struggle, and I'm not, I am not trivializing those things because even if it is not as hard as maybe what someone in the first century would have experienced day to day it is hard for what we have experienced, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's comparatively difficult. And then there are some things that are just difficult, like death. That's, mm-hmm. You know, death is and separation is difficult no matter what culture, no matter what time. Like there, we, we think we've got a lot of answers, but we still can't solve everything and yeah. people still die. Illness still happens. It still, you know, brings people to a place of weakness and um, hardship through suffering in that way. There are things that are, you know, financial troubles. Like there are all kinds of things that are transcending culture and transcending times that are difficult. But I do think that as Christians, we do not have an opportunity to suffer for Christ as other Christians have down through the centuries. I think that there is a time coming for American Christians. I don't think it's in the near future, but I could be wrong about that. Um, But I think that like true suffering, like facing death or persecution facing separation, um, facing like blatant animosity and hardship. Those things are not something we experience in Christian culture, are not something we experience in our lives today in an American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's helpful to be reminded of that and to be reminded of like the stories of those who have gone before us, who have walked by faith, like to read through the faith chapter, you know, some of them, they dwelled in caves, you know, they were, they were sawn in half, you know, they faced 
great persecution, great hardship, great separation, but they did it because they were seeking a, a kingdom that has foundation, mm-hmm. you know, whose builder and maker is God. And I'm reading a book right now that I've mentioned on the podcast before called A Path Not Lined with Roses about Christians in Soviet Russia in the near past. I mean, this really wasn't that long ago. Some yeah. of it happened in my lifetime who suffered great persecution and um, just the idea of being constantly imprisoned for 18 years and not seeing your family, not being there when your children, when one of your kids died and was buried, you know, not being able to be there with your wife when she was having children, like the wife having babies on her own and facing the KGB stalking her and yelling at her and threatening to take her kids away if she kept serving the Lord and raising them for God. And, you know, the, the pressure and pain of that long suffering of years and years and years of hardship in ways that like, we just don't really experience. And again, I'm not saying that you are not going through hardship. I don't know your situation. I'm sure that you are in different ways because all of us are going through some hardship, Mm -hmm. right? But my point is, is that in the midst of trial and tribulation, real Christians with a real walk with the Lord dig into the Lord. They dig into his word. They saturate their souls with prayer and with the presence of God because it's the only way they get through that circumstance. And that is not often our response as really pampered and spoiled people who live in a comfortable, prosperous nation. It's frequently not our response. Yep. And so this like episode of gratitude is, I think gratitude is one of the foundational ways that we counteract a discontented spirit, mm-hmm. an angry spirit, a spirit of resentment, a spirit of woe is me, you know, I have the worst life, you know, like when we are focused on ourselves and on our problems and on our circumstances, then we are stressed, we're fearful, we're angry, we're we're helpless, all these things that make us um, a wrecked human. But if we focus on God and who he is and how good he is and what he's done, and we have thankfulness for the ways he is blessing us in the day-to-day and the thousands of little mercies that we experience every day, that we won't recognize if we don't look for them and praise him for it. And I think gratitude is one of the big ways that Christians down through the ages have honored God and have walked with joy through hardship in a way that glorified the Lord and brought about their good. Gratitude is a big way they were able to do that. Thanking God for how he has blessed them. Thanking God for life for the opportunity to serve him, for people that they love, even if they're separated from them, you know, all the things that we can thank God for. And so that's what our episode is focused on today. That's why we're taking so much time to talk about it before we actually get into the word together is because this is a needed thing in our lives. I'm thankful we have an American holiday, Thanksgiving, where we intentionally come together and are supposed to be intentionally thankful. Um, Frequently Thanksgiving for me really just is like, I think about the food that we have to make to make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) I think about like getting my house clean and like decorations and family coming in and like finding, you know, cleaning your, your sheets and all that kind of stuff that we think about with hosting. But really like Thanksgiving is supposed to be a season of gratitude in the midst of hardship that we take a, a second to thank God for what he has done to bless us and to encourage us and to sustain us in the past year and what we're relying on him to do in the future. And I think we need to get back to that. Like, even if we don't have turkey and crescent rolls and all the things that we want to have at Thanksgiving, like it needs to be a time for us to stop, to be still, to know God, to thank him for his work and to be joyful in the midst of hardship we're experiencing because of who God is and his relationship with us. And so 
So let's do that. Let's get into what you have for us today, Emily. Yeah, so I don't know. I was kind of thinking through what Thanksgiving as a holiday looks like. I think, you know, you get a variety of opinions on Thanksgiving because I think some people who just don't enjoy being around their family for whatever reason, you know, it could be valid reasons, you know, they don't have a great family life or something. Right, right. Oftentimes, this is like another dreaded family event that they don't want to go to, you know. And that makes me sad because I kind of view it with rose-colored glasses a little bit because it is a sweet time for our family. We all, we enjoy being around each other and enjoying that. But connecting that with those of you who maybe don't have a great time with your families, I think it just takes more intentionality. Like, you know, like you're saying with suffering in other ways, um, how do we connect that to situations that are less than ideal? Mm. Um, and God knows your stories, each of you. Um, we don't necessarily know them, but it's it's cool to know that in the midst of what could be like a joyful or a trial situation for you, God is there in the midst of that. And I think that's kind of the point that I was coming to is that, you know, as I was preparing for this was that our lives are not perfect. None of our lives are perfect yeah. yet, yeah. but that is coming for those of us who believe in Jesus. And there's always something that we have that we can be thankful for. Yeah. There's always something and there's, it's usually a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. And so how do we keep that attitude? How do we keep that perspective because it's so easy just to focus on what we don't have and to be discouraged by things that we wish were different, you know, whether that's, you know, a result of sin on someone else's behalf or, or someone else's part, or um, if it's just a result of living in a fallen world, you know? Yeah. So whatever, whatever context you're bringing to this episode today, hopefully as we talk, you can be thinking, just be thoughtful about ways that you can turn the trials in your life into something that pushes you to the Lord instead of maybe encouraging bitterness or anger or discontentment yeah. or um, just focusing on how you wish things were different. Mm -hmm. Try to put those things on the altar today and thank God for the good in the midst of every situation for even if it's just a horrible, horrible thing with no good in it, you can be thankful that God is there and he sees you and he knows what's going on and he will never leave you or forsake you. You know, again, that's how we can kind of put not not a positive spin, but that's how we can find the the truth of how good God is in the midst yeah. of everything. And that's something that doesn't change. Um, the situations we find ourselves in are not subject to, or sorry, let me say that a different way, a different way. God's goodness is not subjective. It's something that is true and it will not change based upon our situation. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, definitions. It's kind of funny. When I researched some definitions for what gratitude and thankfulness is, it was like, gratitude means to be thankful, and thankful means to be grateful. That's cheating. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that doesn't really help Come on, me. Miriam Webster. <laughs> I know. Literally, it was. Um, actually, no, I went to Miriam Webster later, because I kind of just Googled it at first. Oh, and that, yeah. was, that was kind of the Google definition. Come on, Google. Not very helpful. <laughs> yeah. So then I went to Miriam Webster. I should have gone there first. But <laughs> grateful. Um, one of the definitions for that was appreciative of benefits received, hmm. expressing gratitude, grateful thanks, affording pleasure or contentment, 
pleasing by reason of comfort supplied or discomfort alleviated. Hmm. So that one kind of, to me, I was like, aha, yeah, like that's always something we can be thankful for. Yeah. Think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's a lot of discomfort alleviated, you know? Yeah. That's a lot. That's like an eternity of praises and like reasons <laughs> to be thankful for right there. Yeah. Um, and then thankful, the definition of that, it says conscious, conscious of benefit received, well-pleased, glad. So to be thankful is just to, mm. I guess, have a mental assent to the fact that you have received benefit, um, which is kind of helpful. I, I like yeah. it definitions. I yeah. appreciate them. Well, and it said well-pleased, and yeah. that just really strikes me because you take two kids and they're both given a pony, you know, and like if the one kid wasn't expecting anything, like could grief, he's very mm-hmm. well-pleased to have a pony. But if the other kid was expecting two like, ponies, <laughs> a thoroughbred horse, you yeah. know, if like a full grown horse or whatever, and they were like wanting that, but obviously it wouldn't be good for them as like a child to have that, right. <laughs> then they would be very unpleased with a pony, you know. So like the difference there between how each child responds is their expectation of what they were receiving. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like trust in the, in the one giving it, you know, like if a child who wants a thoroughbred trust their father and loves their father and knows that they're going to get what's best for them and they get a pony, then there should be some submission and acceptance and some joy in that receipt. Right. Right. But then like, um, one who doesn't trust and doesn't love and doesn't, you know, submit themselves to the will of their father is going to be angry and feel ill used for not getting what they want, even though they they really deserve exactly what they think they deserve in that scenario, even though they don't deserve anything. And the gift is a gift and it's a beautiful, wonderful gift. And if they enjoyed it, they would be able to reap a lot of benefit and good from it. So just the idea of being well-pleased, I think is a really interesting way of thinking of thankfulness, like setting your expectations and your response appropriately Mm -hmm. and ultimately trusting the giver Yeah, is a really big part of that, I think. You know, it's kind of funny, but it makes me think of a video I saw this week of an actress who her husband got pulled over for something like a DUI or something like that. And she gets out of the car and she's like, do you know who I am? And blah, blah, blah. She gets arrested because she (laughs) was resisting, you know, she was intruding on this, like an obstruction of justice basically. And she's so miffed because she thinks because she's famous, she should be able to do whatever she wants. You know, she, her husband should be untouchable even though he was breaking the law. Um, and I just think that's funny because how easy is it for us to be like that? Like, we're so entitled. We we think we deserve. I mean, the world is telling us all the time, you deserve yeah. to buy this product from my store. Please, yeah. you know, like, because help you me out Because you deserve here. it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't think you actually care about what I deserve. You just want something from me. For, first of you all. You should buy this face cream for $185. Because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. You're just like, uh... <laughs> I'm a I'm simple rich. Just get it to me. <laughs> I know. It's like you don't you don't first of all, you don't even care about my worth <laughs> to you. I am a dollar sign. Yeah. Second of all, like that's not really true. Like who deserves a good cream? I don't know. It's just kind of yeah. silly. Especially um, when there are people that could use that money, you know, for clean food. water or food <laughs> yeah. all over the world. But you deserve to put it on your face so you look younger. <laughs> it's just funny because it's a clear marketing ploy, but it works because mm-hmm. I hear people all the time like I need to like have more self-care stuff. Like I because I, you know. That'll help 
in whatever situation. Yeah. So, like, I mean, obviously, take everyone's care of yourself, like, I just need to take care of me. Binge watching Netflix is not self care, sweetie. <laughs> but um, it's just funny because we, you know, funny because we we tend to think in terms of you know, I'm better than this situation. I shouldn't have to go through something. Yeah. Hard. Um, but if you are humble and you have an accurate understanding of the situation, if you trust the Lord, if you see how much um, holier and better he is than you, then like, isn't it easier just to be thankful for what you've been given? Um, I think sometimes it's, it's odd because sometimes the hardest situations in your life that you go through, God uses those to make you realize how blessed you really are. Um, I just remember thinking about that when one of one of our grandparents died a few years ago. I just kept thinking, like, I'm, you know, like not the not the greatest term, but I'm like the luckiest person. Like, I feel like I'm so blessed to have had, you know, to have right now a family who loves me and who I love. Um, and even though I just lost my grandparent, I was so thankful for his love for our family. You know, it just I kept being overwhelmed mm. by this sense of. I'm so thankful for that. And yeah. so even though it's a hard thing and I lost him in this life, I'm so thankful that yeah. God has given him to me in the first place. And I think and that we got to like be a part of yeah. him passing and help care for him to like be there in the end and see his spirit of trust mm-hmm. in the Lord and joy and like that yeah. he was thankful. Like there were things he regretted about his life. Things he wished that he had served the Lord more intentionally in some ways mm-hmm. and like that was a real blessing to get to see like the way yeah. you think about life at that stage. What's the most important thing? Yeah. You know, at the end, he didn't wish he'd made more money. He didn't yeah. wish, you know, for these things that we usually think what he would wish for. And it's he cool. Was Cause really, didn't wish he traveled more. He didn't wish for any of that. Yeah. He wished he'd been a better witness for sure. Had more self care. No. Yeah. Like he, and it was so sweet to get to be there with him as he prepared to meet oh, the Lord. Was. And it was cool because you know that that's the Holy spirit. Yeah. You, that's not of the flesh. That's not of the world. It's just this otherworldly sense of peace and joy that God gives you in the midst of the pain. And that's why it's a good thing because God uses that. He has used that in all of our lives to grow us into, I think, just make us more thankful and more appreciative of life. Um, and I'm thankful for that experience. It's also just really good to, to see that in the midst of trial, God is still there. He's still working and that there's, there's not a price tag you can put on that, like knowing that the Lord is with you. Because if I just had a perfect life up to this point, then I wouldn't be that grateful because, you know, it's like, oh, my own cleverness has earned this for me. But it's like, no, whenever you actually go through those trials, it's cool because you can see God working. So that's really neat. And one of the first or the first verse I want to take us to real quick is Colossians 4.2. And I really like the wording of this um, because it's also connected with other ideas and other disciplines that we need to be devoted to. So Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Hmm. So you can kind of see there's a lot to unpack even in just that short verse. Um, So first of all, we are to be devoted to prayer. What does that look like? Praying constantly. Other verses say, like, always be praying. See it. I believe it was um, from that book I always quote, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. It's an amazing book. It's on our dining room table, it's on our right, table now. right now, which helped me remember the name. Too um, bad we aren't reading it. <laughs> you should read it. It's very good. It's on our dining room table. <laughs> yeah, that'll do you much good sitting there, <laughs> gathering dust. <laughs> Working on it. Yeah, you're right. But um, he talked about how 
I think it was him who said that like you need to be it could have been someone else scratch all that but it could have been someone else saying that um thinking about your prayer life as one prayer throughout the day that constantly gets interrupted so anyway i think that's just a helpful way to think about it so we're supposed to be devoted to prayer and we're supposed to keep alert in prayer it says mm. keeping alert in prayer like it's a continuous action um so like not just you know, oh, pie in the sky, like Heidi mentality, mm-hmm. Pollyanna mentality, maybe Heidi too, <laughs> where it's like, everything's great. Everything's good. You know, just keep, keep alert in prayer, like mm-hmm. understand what the mm-hmm. situation is. But whenever you are understanding how awful the world is, for example, like you can pray about that. You can give that to the Lord. You can hang that on his hook, mm-hmm. his proverbial hook and take it off of yours um, with an attitude of Thanksgiving. I think the alert portion really has the idea too of like, as you're praying, you're watching for things to be thankful for. You're watching for the, the work of God. This is to be alert in prayer with thanksgiving. And so like, how can you notice the things to thank God for if you aren't alert while yeah. you're praying, looking for God's work? Yeah, keep your eyes open to yeah. it. There's always something. And you, we've seen people like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people who are just like, Joan, for example, mm-hmm. like, I will talk to her and she's, She's got a lot that she could be bitter about. Yeah. She has a lot she could be complaining about. But instead, it's just like, every time I say, have a good day to her, she says, oh, it's always a great day in the Lord. Mm-hmm. She says that to me all the time. And she's she means it. She's so joyful. She can barely see. She's blind, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's just always finding something to be thankful for. And she's mm-hmm. grateful. And she's so pleasant to be around. Um, and such a good example for me. Um, so I just think that's so neat. The Strong's Concordance defines Thanksgiving in this way. Actually, it's kind of cool. In the Greek, it's Eucharistia. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Eucharist. Yeah. Which means actively grateful language to God as an act of worship. I think that's interesting. Like your language is grateful. It's an act of worship. So whenever we are, you know, saying, you know, it's always a great day in the Lord. That's Joan worshiping God. Mm -hmm. That's her being thankful for his presence, for the fact that it is a good day because mm-hmm. no matter what else is going on, she knows where she's going. She has hope in this life and in the next. Mm-hmm. And we really do worship God when we show gratitude for what he has given and what he has done and who he is. Yeah. Because he's back to the, um, to the book I'm reading right now, Path Not Lined with Roses. I talk about this book a lot because it's really, really good. You guys should That's totally so read it. It's such a good book. But basically – the the focus because the book is actually taken from a transcription um a interview that was conducted on of peter and his wife luba and their son i think pavel is their son's name and they all three of them have suffered in significant ways through the persecution that happened in soviet russia and they um kind of are telling their story from different angles and so and it was like an interview was essentially how this book was written from that transcript and what Peter always comes back to as he's sharing his testimony is how God worked through that hardship to be glorified. So he starts off by saying like, this is a really terrible situation. Like one time he was put in a hole in the ground where there was just a table and there were three iron strips for a bunk. Like there wasn't even a flat surface for him to lay on. There was just like three spaced out strips of metal Mm. on this frame that came down from the wall that he could lay on to be suspended off the ground. But when he would lay on that, he would shake with cold because he's just in the ground in like Russia, right? So sometimes it would get down to like the negatives and he's underground, you know? 
but he would talk about like he couldn't lay on those strips of metal because it was all open air under like on his body and underneath him and the metal would be so cold. So the only way he could sleep is if he was like sitting on the table kind of leaning against the wall, but the wall all the times have moisture on it. And so it would be like cold. So there was like no way for him to get comfortable in this tiny hole in the ground that he was in. And he said that there were actually, it was going to like freak people out and maybe be too much information for some people, but like there were actually insects that lived in the ground Mm -hmm. that would come out. There are these like really big centipedes that they had and they would come out in droves once it was dark or once you hadn't moved for a while and there had been a prisoner that he knew of who had actually like slept through them, like eating essentially portions of his leg. Oh. And so like he, it was a dangerous thing to fall asleep for too long in this. So we would think he loves the Lord. He's serving him faithfully. This is like year 15 of him having been imprisoned. He's becoming an old man, you know, of like he's out for short periods of time. He's re, re- imprisoned and all this. Um, he's already been through great hardship and trial. He witnesses to everyone he talks to, like other wit and other prisoners, officials and the government, like everyone who interacts with him, he's telling about the Lord. He doesn't have a Bible at this point because it's been confiscated. He just knows for like, what are your members from, you know, memory and being able to sing songs and stuff. So he's been this faithful servant of God for all these decades of service and now behind bars for a lot of years too. He's in this situation in the ground. And he talks about that situation and how hard that was. And then he talks about how God blessed him through that because one, God gave him the wisdom to fast. They would bring him food and he refused food because he was just going to devote himself to prayer and fasting until God got him out of the hole. Because he knew that if he did not seek the Lord earnestly about this, this would be the time that he would die because the prison officials had made it clear they wanted him dead. And so they were giving him 15 days in the hole. And then because he was fasting, they said we were going to add another 15 days to that and then another 15 days. And so you weren't, by the time he was done and actually released, they had and they had extended his sentence to 60 days in the hole, which like no one can survive. You only could do 15 days at a time usually. Mm-hmm. So he was rescued on like day 12 of that situation. But he bore through 12 days of it. <laughs> you know what I wow. mean? Like, I'm like, oh, my word. Like, 12 days of those conditions. That's so traumatizing, too. Yeah. Like, my goodness. Where he's fasting and he's waiting on the Lord. He can't sleep. He's cold. Like, it's all the worst things that you can think of. Like, he can't stop moving because things are going to come out and, like, try to eat him, literally, while he's in this in this situation. It's horrible. Like, it's a horrible situation that he's in with people trying to kill him that are on the outside of that door, you know? And he would just fast and just spend time with the Lord. And he talks about how God worked through that to give him the strength to sustain that. He worked through that to give him, like, peace, trust him. But there were times when um, it was a struggle, and he's honest about that. But then he was always quick to point out all the mercies of God through that scenario. And his um, wife ended up being instrumental in him getting out of that. And her testimony to like the prisoner commandant and like different people that she interacted with was so faithful through all that too. And like their focus always came back to this is how God worked through this for our good and for his glory. Like it's always their focus, no matter what they talk about, it comes back to that. And I think like that is a heart of someone who is waiting on God and what he wants for them and walking in faith through that. And it's just so different from how I would view that. In my mind, I'd be like, well, God, why didn't you rescue me on day one or day three 
or day five or day seven. You know, like, like he was in there for, it was either 12 or 15 days. I can't, or 12 or 14 days. I can't remember which one it was right now, but like he was in there a significant amount of time and God just sustained him through that. He ended up in the hospital afterwards with kidney failure. And he talks about how that was a blessing because he had doctor care and he was able to like hmm. be in a more calm and like healing environment than if he had just been thrown back in prison. Like, you know, there are ways that they're looking for benefits. You know, we would be like, and then I was in kidney failure. You know, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like, well, I was in the hospital and I was able to like be taken care of by physicians and mm-hmm. I was able to be treated. And like, I mean, it's just a different way of looking at life when you're looking at it. What can God be glorified about through this situation? And how is he using it to make me more like Jesus? Yeah. My suffering is refining. Right. And that's something they talk about in the book so much is like we were being refined through this hardship. So really, no matter what you go through, if you have that attitude of thanksgiving, it's not going to embitter you. It's right. not going to turn you from the Lord. Because if you have that heart, the outside circumstances can't touch that. There's nothing that can be removed. So how do you get that strength? It's from the Lord. Like yeah. he, That's not within each of us. That's... You know, we don't have that inner God or goddess. Like, yeah. Again, like the world tells us we do. We can't just muscle through and have a good attitude about stuff like that. Like it's impossible in our flesh. Yeah. We can't do that. It has to be God. And you can see God working through people like that who are our examples. That was something that Very Luba neat. said is like there was a time, that's the wife, Luba. There was a time when she was away on a trip doing something for the ministry and something that she had to do secretly. And she ended up having to stay in a city for longer than she expected because of how dangerous it was to travel back because she was being followed. And or something and something else happened. I think there was a snowstorm. There was something that happened that kept her from going home. And so her kids were literally she had six kids and the oldest was like fifteen and she had left them alone. And while she was gone, they she always prepared enough food for them until she came back again, but now she had been delayed longer than she expected. So when she came home, like her kids were like crying. They'd been afraid she'd been arrested. Like they had been scrounging to try to have enough food in the house and it wasn't very good. And, you know, like just them as little kids, like not really knowing what to do, like all six of them together. And the oldest is only 15. And one of her sons came to her in tears, just saying, mom, like this happened and it was so hard. And Luba said to him, she says, but are you alive? And he said, yes, yes, we're alive. And she said, we will praise the Lord because we are alive. Mm. Like, and I was just like, that's such a different view of these things. You know, like, It's just convicting. It's so convicting because I'm like laying in my bed crying because of how hard work is. And then I read a chapter out of this book and I'm like, okay, I'm a wimp. I'm a wimp. I get it. I'm a wimp. <laughs> like, I am an idiot. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was selfish. I'm spoiled. You know, like it just puts everything in perspective. Yeah. When you read about the the way that Christians can glorify the Lord in hardship if they turn to him and rely on him for the wisdom to do that. Mm. Yeah. Amen. There's a lot there. Um, I think that a good segue to the next verse there, um, we're talking about being imitators of God. Hmm. And I mean, think about who our ultimate example of thankfulness is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Just his love for the father. You know, if, if Jesus was a sinner, he would have could have very easily just turned that into like, why did you send me here? You know, I hate it here. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't have like my complete power. You know, he doesn't have the independent use of his attributes. He could didn't just get the easy way out. Like he had to die in a horribly painful way for us. He could have, you know, if he was like us, we would have been very unhappy about that. We don't deserve this, you know, but um, yeah, that's Jesus was 
perfect about that. And he's our, he really is our example. Hebrews 12 talks about him being like our forerunner in this. And like when we're running this race, we're running towards him. Um, so Ephesians 5, 1 through 5, I'll go ahead and read. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, hmm. an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So there's a lot to thank God for in this passage. There's a lot to praise him for. Um, the first one is we get to be imitators of him. We have that privilege where we have that option um, because he enables us to be imitators of him. Yeah. And why? Because we're his beloved children, it says. We get to be identified with God as his children. And not just his children, but his beloved children. Uh, he's also given us the ability to walk in love, not hate or apathy, because Christ has set us the example and he shows us how it's done. Um, so that's another good thing, too. We have the option of, you know, walking in love. Yeah. Whereas before, it's like we're just children of hatred. You know, everything that we do has an evil end to it. You know, we we deserve hell. Mm. But this time, because we're saved, we get to walk in love. And Jesus sacrificed himself for us. That's another thing we can praise him for. And so the result of all of that is we must not be immoral, impure, or greedy. It says, don't even name it among you. It's not proper for saints, um, which is an interesting thing to think about too. Like maybe sometimes we joke about that, like, oh, you're so greedy or something. But it's like, don't even name that among you. It's not proper. Hmm. Um, no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting because that's not fitting for who our, for what our identity is in Christ. It's not fitting. But instead of all of those things, the giving of thanks. I think that's kind of cool because it, it like it puts that in opposition to those things. It's mm. like the opposite. If you're giving thanks, then you're not going to be greedy. Yeah. You're not going to be uh, coarsely jesting or impure or immoral, um, etc. And greediness is really the opposite of thankfulness, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I just, I always want more. This, what I have isn't good enough. And it's really weird to think about it in those terms that like when we're upset or discontent mm -hmm. or ungrateful, we're really being greedy. Yeah. It's crazy. But if you think about it, we are co-heirs with Christ. Like, what do we have to be greedy about? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we, everything that has been given to us, we have not earned. Yeah. <laughs> we are not self-made men and women. We are completely recipients of this amazing inheritance that we did nothing to earn. And the Bible says that because we have God's word, we have everything that we need mm -hmm. for life and godliness. So yeah, we really just need the word. We yeah. don't need anything else. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, another thing to be thankful for at the end of this passage, because it kind of ended with a downer there. It says, you know, with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And that's really bad news because that's literally all of us. That describes every human who has ever lived, but God provided that way of escape. And that's something that we can always be thankful for every single day, no matter what situation you find yourself in. If everything else, you know, if your family leaves you, if they hate you, um, if the world persecutes you, if you get fired, you know, etc. 
there's always this to be overwhelmingly thankful for. This is a very temporary situation. Eternity is coming. And if you're a believer, you get all of eternity with Christ and God. And that just doesn't get old. So the next passage, I have a couple more verses we can look at. Um, the, the next one is Philippians 4, 6. This is a very familiar one, very appropriate for today. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, hmm. by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I like that because it doesn't even say, don't ask for anything. You've been given enough because <laughs> yeah. we have been given right, enough. Right. But it says, like, just don't be anxious about it, but instead pray about it. Um, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Tell God your requests, but be thankful, you know? And mm-hmm. um, that's the opposite of being anxious, um, which is a beautiful thing. I can definitely tend towards anxiety. But whenever I'm focused on how blessed I am, how thankful I am um, for who God is and what he's done, then that anxiety just kind of fades away mm-hmm. <laughs> into the background, mm-hmm. you know? Really, anxiety is the result of us having fear over not getting something or having a situation work out the way that we want it to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really what anxiety is. Is like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out and I'm afraid it might work out poorly. And what's the root of that? Yeah. Poorly based on my standards. <laughs> yeah. And the root of that is we're not trusting God yeah. and we're not willing to rely on his timing and on his will and those things. So we feel like being worried about it actually does something about it, which it doesn't. I mean, worry no. is a completely pointless exercise. All it creates, it burns energy. That's it. All it creates is stress on your body and like lack of sleep, which hurts your body even more and just all the things. So contrary to popular opinion that being anxious actually helps you, it actually runs your body down and uh, bad for your health and runs you into the ground. And then you end up, you know, with broken health and broken sleep and broken yeah. All the things are broken. They're all I think broken. It's a tricky thing because it feels <laughs> almost productive in a way. It's like, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking about this stuff that I need to do, but it's really just counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not so helpful. Yeah. The reason the Bible tells us that we aren't don't get to be anxious. So if you're like me and you tend towards being anxious about stuff, just every time, just try to thank God for something. Maybe it doesn't relate to what you're being anxious about, but just. Thank him for the sun or thank him for life or the fact that you can breathe, you know, it's always something to be thankful for. So the last verse I have for us today is Hebrews 12, 28. And we've looked at this one several times, but I liked the connection here to gratitude as the emphasis. It says, therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Um, once again, that's our, our reason for gratitude. If all else fails, you know, we still have this amazing truth. We have a kingdom which cannot be shaken. It's not touched by everything on earth falling apart. It is still steady. It's still strong. Uh, it will never fall. So let us show gratitude. And with that gratitude, we can offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. We, mm. we do more good for God's work whenever we're grateful. Um, we're more effective for him whenever we are showing gratitude and when we're reverent and full of awe about who he is. So I just thought that was a cool connection to all of this as well. And there's so many other places I could have gone to. Like there's so many passages. I actually wanted to add more and then just for different reasons it didn't work out. But it's just cool that scripture is full of this theme. So hopefully you guys can spend a lot of time um 
especially as Thanksgiving gets near, just focusing on what you have to be thankful for. Um, and we're praying for a good holiday of yeah. just gratitude and thankfulness to God for everything he's done. Absolutely. And so maybe some ways just practically to apply this because, um, sometimes it's hard to really know like, okay, how am I supposed to be thankful? <laughs> you know, cause my life's really hard right now. Yeah. And it's like, we'll just do this, sit down and think, okay, I got this out of a recent study on version that was really good. In fact, I should say what the name of that study is because it was a really good study. It's by Moody Publishers. A friend at church was going through this and shared it. And so I've been going through it too. It's called The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks. And it's a seven-day plan on version, the Bible Ooh, I app. I should do that. <laughs> it's really – so far it's been really good. So if it's not really good on day five or whatever, don't come at me. I've just started it. But so far it's really good. The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks. And they talk about in day one, they say like – well, first doing the study would probably be helpful. But then in day one they talk about like what are five things that are true about God, that are true about how he's worked in the situation, that are true about – um like little mercies you can see, you know, like what they go through different categories and they say like, what are five things that you can praise God for and give thanks for in this search in the situation that you're in right now and do that and write them down. And then like, you know, something that I think is really wise to do with that is then to just carry it around with you. And then like when you're struggling, if it's on your phone or something like that, stop and read through those again and remind yourself of those things and thank the Lord for those again. And then maybe add some each time you do it, add another one. And just intentionally looking for ways to praise God for how he's working and to praise him for who he is, to praise him for how he's interacting with you and your heart and how he's making you more like him, to just think about things differently and to dwell on those things. And you're going to cultivate a thankful spirit, a thankful heart. If people are like, oh, I don't have a thankful heart or I'm not that personality or whatever, I just tend to be a pessimist or whatever. Or it's like, no, you. that's how you are in your flesh. That's how we all are in our flesh. No but one comes hope. out of the womb being someone who's like, I'm thankful for everything. Like, you know, that's something that God has to work on. That's why kids are always saying mine, right? Like, we're all like that. But like being someone who cultivates gratitude and thanksgiving, you know, these are of a spirit. And so cultivate it. Ask the Lord to give you a heart that is um, thankful. And that dwells on the good, which is what David does in the Psalms and other Psalmists do too. You know, like they're reminding their soul of how God has worked and that's how they're able to combat great hardship. Hmm. And so that's just a practical way that you can start applying what you're learning today. Amen. So it's good to have just more, I don't know, a more meditative episode where we can practically apply these things. Something that I desperately need to be better about. Um, it's very easy just to focus on the negative or the things that I want and don't have. Right. Um, or comparing your life with somebody else's. But God in his wisdom has given us the lives that he has for good reason. And we can thank him for that, for his intentionality to love us and to pour into us so well each day. Um, so enjoy that. Enjoy the fact that we get a relationship with him and he's given us blessing upon blessing, really. Um, there's so much to be thankful for. Yeah, absolutely. And praise the Lord for how um, you're able to dwell on Thanksgiving and to dwell on gratefulness and to dwell on how God is interacting in your life because we have a God who's personable and who cares about you and who does interact with you. He doesn't leave you on your own in hardship and praise God for that. 
And so we are going to wrap it up, but we're praying that you guys have a very wonderful Thanksgiving and that in ways that it never has before, you'll be able to really dig deep into the concept of thankfulness and of gratitude and of cultivating that spirit that looks for how God has blessed you and how he's interacting with you and for who he is. If nothing you can find in your circumstances to praise him for, which I doubt because you can find things in your circumstances (laughs) to praise him for, you can always praise him for who he is and thank him for those attributes of him that are true. Absolutely. And so I'm praying that for you guys this week. And I pray that it will be an encouragement and a blessing to you. And reminder that we will not be launching an episode on Saturday the 25th. Of November, and so um, we will only be back with you guys on December second. But praying that you guys have a wonderful time in the Word and a sweet time of cultivating a grateful and thankful spirit, and that you'll continue to serve the Lord with love and gratitude, and that He'll be glorified in your life. So we love you guys. Love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving, Bach. <laughs> <laughs> Quote. Bye. Bye.